tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Los mejores viajes. Nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCI US LLC. Prime Headlines is brought to you by Don't take risks. Use a condom every time. And thanks to Malatu, I kicked out Malaya one time. Some spices. Yes, sir. Hello, John Ish Prime is live on DSTV channel 421. Go TV channel 125. Around the world on myjoyonline.com. Coming up. Energy Ministry fights off claims. Doomsaw is back 
as it hits back at minorities saying they lack the moral right to criticize government over recent power outages. It's interesting that our friends who presided over a four-year period of outages are now calling a situation where we have a day of outages to uh, Clearly, uh, we are not at that point. But is the assurance enough as business owners lament over biting impact of the intermittent power outages on their businesses? We lost a huge amount of money three consecutive times. Come, we have to off all our gadgets and about five or uh, ten, then to come back again. Then we wait and uh, then they off it, they off it again. The election headquarters tonight. We are in the voter region as General Secretary of the NDC charges the party stronghold to unite for victory as he sends his message to Vice President Baumia. We need all of us to be united because the battle ahead is going to still be a difficult battle. That's why Keto South, we cannot afford to have any disunity. Details of the party's flag bearer John Mahama tasks the NDC member to be vigilant and ready to serve as polling agent. Now at 8 p.m., Paris Kojobaka will bring you prime business. The International Monetary Fund signals its readiness to disburse $600 million to Ghana once it receives the term sheet from official creditors. Uh, discussions between Ghana and the official cre creditor committee are ongoing. Good progress is being made and we're confident that an agreement can be reached soon. Later at 8.30, Razak Musba will be joining with Prime Sports. Well, Ghana's ambassador to the Ivy Coast charges the Black Stars to make the country proud as he assures them of his outfit's full cooperation to ensure they have a successful tournament. We are your home of independent, fearless and credible journalism. Please stay for details. Join News Prime Headlines was brought to you by... Don't take risks. Use a condom every time. And thanks to Malatu, I kicked out Malaya one time. Some spices. Yes, sir. The Energy Ministry is fighting off claims there is doomso, which has necessitated calls for a load shedding timetable. Deputy Energy Minister Andrew Ejapa Mesa insists the challenges that triggered recent power outages in the country have been fully addressed. Meanwhile, business owners in Accra, Central and Western regions say their entities risk collapse as they lament the impact of power outages and intermittent cuts on their work. Residents of some communities that have been experiencing power outages have been speaking to us. Yes, it is only the evenings that markets are boom. So in the evening when we are selling and there is no light and this place is dark, you have to pack and go. Because even in the day, daytime, the tips are worrying us. So how much more in the evening when you are in the dark? It is worse. At least, if there is a, a power shortage or there is a fault somewhere, they should alert us so that we will know that this is what is going on. So we will prepare for it. But it shouldn't be like you are there and then they will off the lights. A whole day. 
yesterday it came around eight something when I went to my phone was off. I was cooking and I couldn't even find I, I couldn't do anything. I had I just had to stay outside and wait for the light to come. It's really disturbing. So they should announce that oh there is um a fault here we are trying to do. So if they if they said it's not doing so then they have to announce so that we will be aware. Me wabra na highlight some day and your crash me team cast some quiet me ya quiet saloon for see a man light off. Electricity issues here in Abra. It's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. We want them to give our prime notice whenever they intend to switch off our lights. Yesterday was worse. Let's bring in your Deputy Minister for Energy, Andre Japamesa, who says that situation has been completely resolved. He spoke to MFR Pell on Media News. There's some obligation that GMPC owed to WAPCO, for which they made a demand sometime in December. Some payments were made uh, to WAPCO in December, uh, but of course they found it uh, insufficient. So they issued a threat that if we don't pay them by a certain date, which tend to coincide with the holidays, they were going to take it off, uh, which is the reverse flow services that they provide for moving cars from the west to the east. We engaged them whilst we worked with Ministry of Finance for them to make funds available to pay. There uh, was some delay, and so they pulled off the services uh, on Wednesday. Uh, yesterday, Ministry of Finance uh, made funds available, uh, and so they restored the, the, the service. Okay, so to suggest that that intervening period where we were working internally to seek approvals to raise the funds to pay, for which then led to WAPCO pulling their services for a day, if you like, amounts to a doom so that you and I experienced the protracted power outage over a four-year period. Uh, is really stretching it. Well, Mr. Uh, Japamesa, let's, let's get this clear, though, at least from the figures that we got, um, especially from the minority, for instance, is that we're owing about some 30 million. We paid 6 million, which the um, WAPCO said was not enough, due, leading to that well, particular question. How have, much exactly okay. have we paid and how much are we owing WAPCO from your last well, check? Well, it was 19 million. Uh, 3 million was paid, uh, bringing the figure to 16. Uh, Ministry of Finance has made another 10 million payment. Uh, 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 so what would be outstanding really would be some 6 million. Of course, we're having conversations with them on how that is paid. Well, let's bring in John Jinapo, who is at the ranking on the Mines and Energy Committee of Parliament. Grateful to you for joining us, sir. Now, government says the debt it owed WAPCO uh, was some $19 million that it has cleared. Now, what are you picking as well? Because, um, well, so, well, fortunately, the line has tripped there. But let's bring in 
the executive director of the Institute for Energy Security, uh, Nana Amwesi the seventh. Uh, he joins us uh, via Zoom now. Now, I'm grateful for joining us. I mean, government says it has paid WAPCO, and therefore they won't be doomed. So we should not be afraid that there will be, you know, outages. What are our sources in the sector telling you? Thanks for having me, Kojo Brace, and uh, good evening to your viewers. Ordinarily, this story or parts of um, story giving me that government have been able to pay that bit of money should have been a good news. Mm. But then we can't vouch for government. Our sources we are picking is that the valve is still closed. No natural gas is flowing from the western corridor to the eastern corridor. And so we can confirm that the eastern corridor being the Tama Enclave where we are power plants like Senate and Asogli are starved of the much needed natural gas to run the plants. And so um, we are only praying that the government will be able to engage uh, WAPCO. Mm. Of course, they should release uh, or relieve that valve so that natural gas will flow for power producers to bring us uh, adequate uh, power supply. Then, of course, we can say we are out of the woods. But for now, mm. we still have that challenge lingering. And our checks with some players to review that, in fact, gas is flowing. So this is quite, you know, on the contrary from what we've had then. Well, that's, that, that is the welcoming news. If the same power producers are saying that gas is flowing, then, of course, we can say that for this evening, we have, um, we, every community, every part of Ghana can be assured of that power. But the last time I checked, a section of Cape Coast is out of power. Maybe, maybe um, the power plants are yet to get that full throttle uh, uh, of gas supply. Because when you are flowing gas to them, it takes a bit of time. And when the power plant needs to come on, they need to do some few uh, warm-up in the system before the fire. It's not just like your car engine where... You just switch an engine and the car starts. It could take about two, three hours to prepare the plant to come online. So it's good news to hear from the same uh, power producers that gas is flowing to their okay. end. So, so now you're saying that part of Cape Coast this evening is experiencing power outages. Is that it or, or I didn't get it? That's the indication I got uh, an hour ago before okay. you brought me in. Okay, interesting. So, I mean, this is a disturbing development when we have to grapple with debt in the sector. How do we really deal with debt in the sector such that it won't become a problem again for us to be dealing with every year? Kojo, we should be able to recover all our costs in the sector. That's the only time we, we, we can pay the utilities in the supply chain. Mm. Until that is done, we'll have our debt mounting up and we'll have these utilities ch chasing governments every now and then. Mm. All right, so that's... Uh, For money owed them. Mm. Remember some few... Uh, um, same WAPCO came threatening that they are shutting down or they shut down. Then suddenly also came into the fray. We pray that this could be a thing of the past so that uh, we can be assured of... Mm. All right.
Nanamoshi, uh, the seventh, is the executive director for the Institute for Energy Security. Away from that, the member of parliament for North Tong, Samuel Okujetra Blakwa, is demanding thorough checks into the expenditure of the Electoral Commission, questioning why the Commission continues to spend without any form of monitoring, contributing to discussions on vote buying at the Constitution Day Lecture at the University of Professional Studies, Accra. The NDC legislator questioned why huge allocations are made to the election management body without it being monitored on how the funds are being utilized. This is a country struggling. If you take the 2024 budget, we have approved 786 million Ghana cities for the 2024 elections. That's a staggering sum. In 2020, because the Electoral Commission said they have to buy equipment, which we thought, we as civil society, uh, thought that there was no need to buy those equipments. We spent over a billion, it was a billion and 63 million Ghana cities. Imagine what a billion can do. So yes, you spend substantial time on the politicians' monetization, which I know is an issue. It's, it's, it's important to reflect on that. But the Electoral Commission itself, how much it is spending and who watches the watchman? I mean, they just, you know, bring the bills. We have to approve it. And Dr. Farijan, you know that since the 2020 election, the development partners have pulled out. So we are now funding fully. The Ghanaian taxpayer is called upon to fund these elections fully. And the cost keeps ballooning. What can be done to reduce the cost of elections and to make the electoral commission more efficient. Well, Dr. Jonathan Asanjotri is a political analyst and a senior lecturer at the University of Cape Coast. He joins us via Zoom for further discussion on the subject. Grateful for joining us, Doc. What would be your initial reaction to the comment by the North Tong MP Samuel Okujita regarding the electoral commission's expenditure? Well, good evening, uh, Mr. Briggs, and good evening to your viewers. Um, the point is that when it comes to the Electoral Commission, because the activities, you know, border on security and the democracy of the nation, it is quite easy for them to, you know, use their budget as a kind of a blackmailing. I don't even know the, the, the better word to use there. A kind of blackmail because the government or the state, you know, feels obliged, as it were, to respond to their request because uh, we are talking about a thin line between losing our democracy because, you know, there's a likelihood of a confrontation, a conflict, and antagonism. And for which reason the state feels obliged to honor their request. Mm. Other than that, if you look at what they did in the district assembly elections recently held. And you look at the staggering amount the Honorable Samuel Kujato is quoting to, to us and what we are even about to prepare when it comes to even for elections. Then mm. I think that we have been shortchanged by the Electoral Commission, just mm. to say the least. We have been shortchanged by the Electoral Commission. And I think that is about time they up their game. Okay. I mean, you use some powerful words there. That it looks like the electoral commission is using their position to, I mean, to sort of sabotage someone. 
who the natural commission beside what I did Well, not necessarily a particular person or an institution, mm. but the fact is that you see, they are dealing with politicians. And they know very well that the only period that they can get the politicians to honor their request is during the election period. And so they can easily use the elections as a conduit, as it were, to siphon money, to, to lead to any misprioritization of resources. It could even lead to misapplication. Because, believe you me, if they are not able to conduct elections peacefully, freely, and fairly, then our democracy could be in flames. That's the more reason why I suggested that they seem to be using their resources, their, their request as a conduit. Now, that apart, I have never heard for the past years of any forensic audit done in the activities of the Electoral Commission. You see, it is because um, they seem to be the darling institution of our current president, so to speak. And so uh, it is becoming more or less like they, they, are, they don't seem to be, you know, much responsive to the request of civil society and so on and so forth. A case in point, for example, Mm -hmm. is the IPAC, where it has virtually become a rubber stamp, when it ought to have been a place of dialogue, not a monologue. And if you listen to Dr. Afarijan, the Honorable Dr. Afarijan, Venerable, if I should call him, you know, he mentioned things of that nature, things that the Letter Commission ought to do to ensure that, you know, the kinds of money that have been allocated to them, you know, we get, we get the right responses out of that. We don't, we don't need to be going to the Supreme Court every now and then, you know, on an electoral petition. Why? It is because somebody might have not done his or her work properly. That's the more reason why somebody will have to do that. But if we become transparent and organize these things freely and fairly, ensure that at the IPAC, you know, issues are ironed out before they come out. I think that things of that nature and queries of that nature wouldn't what wouldn't come up against the letter commission. Well, well, well Doc, you say this institution is the darling of the president, the current president. But allocations to the EC are subjected to parliamentary approval. Will you say then that that alone is enough, or Parliament should go the extra mile to check what the allocations are used for? I think the latter part of your question is the most important part. Mm. We need to be interested in the way and manner these allocations, you know, are done. That is why I said that I don't remember the last time any forensic audit was done into or to look into the activities of the letter commission. I stand to be corrected, but I've never heard any such things. Because if you look at the BPDs that were bought, Mm. you know, civil society, the likes of... uh, uh, Simmons, you know, and other personalities had cause to do a demonstration of the kinds of waste that are. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes. Only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. 
Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Escuchas ese rugido. ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Social Commission has been engaging in, but because we've not been able to do any kind of forensic audit, we seem not to know. It is only when the frog is dead, that is when we know its appropriate length or proper length. All right. Thank you so much for joining us now to other stories. International Court of Justice in The Hague has begun hearing accusations of genocide brought against Israel by South Africa. The Genocide Convention was formulated in 1948, of which both Israel and South Africa have signed on to. In an 80-page writ to the court, South Africa said the acts and omissions by Israel are genocidal in character as they committed with the specific intent to destroy Palestinians in Gaza. The case could take years, but today South Africa is asking the court to order Israel to immediately halt 80 military operations in Gaza. The hearings this week will focus on that request for emergency measures to be imposed much sooner. Listen to lawyers, Tembeka, Toby, uh, Vaughan Loy, and Adila Hassim representing South Africa. Every day there is mounting irreparable loss of life, property, dignity, and humanity for the Palestinian people. Our news feeds show graphic images of suffering that has become unbearable to watch. Nothing will stop the suffering except an order from this court. Without an indication of provisional measures, the atrocities will continue, with the Israeli Defense Force indicating that it intends pursuing this course of action for at least a year. Genocidal utterances are therefore not out in the fringes. They are embodied in state policy. The intent to destroy is plainly understood by soldiers on the ground. It is also fully understood by some within the Israeli society, with the government facing criticism for allowing in any aid to Gaza on the basis that it is recanting on its promise to starve Palestinians. Any suggestion that Israeli officials did not mean what they said or were not fully understood by soldiers and civilians alike 
to mean what they said should be rejected by this court. The evidence of genocidal intent is not only chilling, it is also overwhelming and incontrovertible. It is vitally important that states respect the court and their procedural obligations. This is not a moment for the court to sit back and be silent. It's necessary that it assert its authority and itself order compliance with the obligations under the Genocide Convention. Indeed, it's hard to think of a case in recent history which has been so important for the future of international law and of this court. Now, South Africa is asking the court to grant at least six reliefs, including an immediate ceasefire and Israel's commitment to ensure aid reaches the vulnerable. Listen to South Africa's agent, H. Vusumusi Mandusela. One, the state of Israel shall, shall immediately suspend its military operations in and against Gaza. Two, the state of Israel shall ensure that any military or irregular armed units which may be directed, supported, or influenced by it, as well as any organizations and persons which may be subject to its control, direction, or influence, take no steps in furtherance of the military operations referred to in point one above. Three, the Republic of South Africa and the State of Israel shall each in accordance with their obligations under the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide in relation to the Palestinian people take all reasonable measures within their power to prevent genocide. Meanwhile, Israel has described these allegations as baseless. They say they will fight back in the court. Elon Levy speaks for the Israeli government emphatically condemns South Africa's decision to play advocate for the devil and to make itself criminally complicit with the perpetrators of the October 7 massacre. On October 7, South Africa openly aligned itself with the Hamas rapist regime when it blamed Israel for Hamas's violation of the ceasefire and covered up Hamas's crimes against humanity. Well, to other stories now, West Africa has experienced a surge in unconstitutional changes in governments resulting in criticism against the regional bodies such as ECOWAS, uh, the ECOWAS court for failing to act on its mandate of justice delivery. However, speaking on the sidelines of a sensitization mission of the ECOWAS court in Accra, head of legal services and research at the ECOWAS court, Apreku Inketia, told journalists that the regional body is ready to hear the grievances of any political group or individual. Public sensitization on the mandate of the ECOWAS Community Court has been identified as crucial in the reversal of unconstitutional changes in governments across West Africa. As a commitment to institutional norms and the rule of law, the government of Ghana is bringing together stakeholders to learn more about the practices and mission of the ECOWAS Court. Kweku Amprichum Sapung is Deputy Foreign Affairs and Regional Integration Minister. For over three decades, the court has been instrumental in promoting legal harmonization, ensuring access to justice, 
and resolving disputes among member states. The ECOWAS Court of Justice does play a pivotal role in upholding the rule of law, promoting human rights, and fostering regional integration. Over the years, Ghana has demonstrated unwavering support for the ECOWAS Court of Justice through active participation in these proceedings, adherence to its decisions, and collaboration with the court's mechanisms. The increasing spate in the breakdown of rule of law and the unconstitutional changes in government across the West Africa sub-region has called into question the essence of regional institutions such as the Court of the Economic Community of West African States, ECOWAS. This year, Ghana and other countries across the West Africa sub-region will be heading to the polls for general elections. The ECOWAS court says it is readying itself as the adjudicator of any possible election dispute that may arise. Race. Once such infractions are flagged and then the people who are affected, let's say if a political party thinks that some of the doings of the sitting government is not agreeing with, they can come to the court to remedy the situation. And we've done it several times in Cote d'Ivoire and other places. So the proactiveness of uh, the people who are concerned in the electoral matters will also help the courts in living up with these um, um, responsibilities. But of course, if the matter of that is brought before the court under the protocol for democracy and good governance, there are so many provisions that regulate the conduct of elections in member countries. And trust me, if they are brought before the court, we will try to make sure that respect is given to those provisions for the benefit of the citizens of the community. Of course, like Ghana is not an exception. We treat all member countries the same. Once there's an election, the early warning team will come followed by some monitoring team and then we invite also memoranda from stakeholders if they think that part of our, the rules of engagement are not being properly harnessed or being abused. The court is there to receive such petitions and deal with it. When is the early warning team starting to work on Ghana? Well, there are timelines. I cannot give it off head now, but I know that the Coast Commission does that. Once the election falls in that particular year, there's a calendar that they work with the electoral stakeholders in the country in order to make sure that respect is given to the provisions of uh, the protocol on democracy and good governance. So watching Johnny's Prime, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more this day. In life, you sometimes seem to be cruising along. Just when you least expect it, things could go horribly wrong. Leave nothing to chance. Let Geico Group help you achieve your goals with customized solutions for life and general insurance, healthcare and finance. Geico. We cushion you for life. Daddy, Daddy, this tank is big! Yes, that's true. 
it can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow, it has a working surface on it. Mm -hmm. That's so true. I can see S I N T E S syntax. That is so true, my daughter. But it's further into spoiler. That's not true. But why? Hey! <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? Every day, people have money emergencies. Ma, I need my school fees. Emergency. Mommy, Mommy chop money. Emergency. 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 Catch it. I'm your rent. Emergency. Now, there's a new emergency number in town. More money, more money, challenge and enjoyment. At the top life we got. Dial star 770 hash for all your money emergencies and chop life. Dial star 770 hash for money emergencies and get easy and quick access to your money, loans, and other banking needs. Echo Bank, the Pan African Bank. Afa! Afa! Simap scan and new promo. After what you see, quality simap cement. Our show, 50 kilograms. For sa a jumano and crack it. Na a drug. I'm not what you want to hire for fair. Perfect finishing for people. That will really attend your baby. What is meant in the year, Jimmy? Tibag no, let's scan a QR code. No, Kai said, and Pedro do I will scan a QR code. No, no, we need points. Points, no, now we'll be to me. I check yet to say mobile airtime, walking gear, shopping vouchers, cement, motorbikes, assassin, block machines, and me a check your baby. So, points in the drawer, check your open one. And one is a who claim who happens. Minya, make you lose all. Koswana scan it. Now, see my scan and win promo. Oh, be a winner. She also said, Who I was me and son, I would be build all points. And she said, From the break now, let's do politics now because flag bearer of the National Democratic Congress, John Dramani Mahama, is appealing to party members to be prepared to take up roles as party agent in the upcoming elections. According to him, persons putting themselves out for the roles and often not competent enough and negatively impacting on the party's fortunes. Mr. Mahama wants members of parliament to get involved in choices of agent for the party. Was speaking at a stakeholders' engagement as part of the Building Ghana tour of the Water Region. Must, must offer ourselves as party agents on the day. We cannot sit and just leave it to the constituency executives to uh, pick any party agents. And the MPs must be involved in the selection of party agents. I know that in several cases, the parliamentary candidates just leave it to the party chairman and secretary and organizer, and they just pick people. And some of them are not worthy to be our party agents. Excuse me. 
because there are some of them who do not understand the electoral process. We are going to fund the training, and so the trainers are going to come. But in a lot of cases, when the trainers come, the quality of people that they give them is nothing to, uh, to write home about. There are several cases in which they've had to send several of the selected party agents home because they just don't fit the bill. Some of them are barely literate. And with the kind of electoral process we have today, I'm sorry to say, if you're not literate, you'll find it difficult to be able to monitor that election. And so we need the right party agents. But it's not just being the right party agent by being literate. You can be whoever you are. If you don't go through the training, they will still cheat you because you don't understand the electoral process. It has changed. It is not what it was when we came, uh, when we stood elections in 96 with the iron ballot boxes and all that kind of thing and manual counting and all that. It's more sophisticated now. Now, General Secretary of the party, Fifi Kwete, in his address to the party at the Kitu North constituency, charged the party to unite for victory. He had a message for the flag bearer of the MPP, Dr. Mahamudu Baumia. All the national executives of the NDC, we want to tell President Mahama that he should totally leave Baumia in our hands. We will absolutely take care of him this year. By the time this year is over, we will let him know his smoothness level. Everything he has done against our party, every insult, everything he has done against John Mahama this year, we are going to let him have, what's the word? For everything he has done, he will receive it hundredfold. We shall pour it into his bosom for the country to know that enough of the lies, enough of the deception, enough of the calm work that we have seen. But that's why we need all of us to be united. Because the battle ahead is going to still be a difficult battle. That's why Keto South, we cannot afford to have any disunity. We cannot afford to have any situation where anybody thinks it's about me, it's about Ghana, it's about us. So the party must be number one, the country must be number one, because Ghana cannot afford to have another four years of the total collapse that we have seen over the last seven years. Ghana cannot afford it. So we need you to back us, even as we work hard for you. We pledge that we'll make sure your vote will count. We pledge to make sure that what happened four years ago, when a desperate president, a desperate vice president, led a desperate government to bring about the killing of people simply to stay in power, this year, that will not happen. This year, they will go. Whether they like it or not, this year, they will go. Very interesting, the political race that we're going to witness this year. Now, the International Federation of Women Lawyers, FIDA Ghana, is calling for political parties in the country to consider the selection of women as their running mate ahead of the 2024 presidential elections. And according to FIDA Ghana, in a statement dated 11th January 2024, this 
is to ensure that no matter the party that comes to uh, that comes out victorious it will have a woman as vice president it also said any political party that shows little inclination to nominate women as running mate and support their female candidate sent signals that they have a male-oriented party uh, that is undemocratic and exclusive favoring male participation uh, we have one of the directors of FIDA, Ghana, Susan Aite, uh, who's joining us via phone. Now, grateful to you for joining us. What is really the significance of a female vice president in Ghana's quest for development? Okay, thank you very much, Kujo. Mm. Um, basically, they're looking at gender inclusiveness. They're also looking at um, the fact that um, it's a human rights issue. Um, we, as a country, we have signed on and ratified you know, a lot of, you know, international conventions that actually um, enjoins us as a state to empower women mm. and to make sure that we remove all obstacles that obstruct, you know, the participation of women in governance. And by this, I also mean that, you know, um, having women as even running mates. And it, I believe that it's long overdue. I mean, if you look at various, you know, West African countries around us and I think I think Liberia. Liberia has had a woman or a female, you know, president. It has even had also, you know, a, a running, sorry, a vice president, actually, under Georgia, who just lost, you know, um, the last election. Um, and so I believe that if this, you know, nation um, that is actually a nation that sets the pace and is a trailblazer, it is high time that Ghana also actually, you know, um, had a female president. We're talking about even encouraging voter turnout. And if you look at some of the narrative, it says that if any political party presents a new face and, of course, has new ideas, it's able to actually attract you know, more voters um, to it. And if you um, look at the past four years, we've had you know, quite a number of people, I'm sure, who turned 18 years. And these are people that we need to appeal to. So as a political party, how do you present yourself? as a vibrant party that will actually attract, you know, voters. And I believe that um, women have actually, um, actually paid their dues. And um, almost all the political parties have women that they can really look up to and because they know their strength, they know their competence, and they know that they can handle all these positions. And like we earlier said, you know, that male culture must give way to a very inclusive, you know, culture. Um, because if you still have the male culture uh, and coupled with certain cultural and traditional, you know, perspectives, then you are not bound to be able to reach that goal of actually making the 40% um, threshold that, you know, the uh, UN um, has actually, you know, put out there for, for, for many of the countries to attain to that particular goal. Okay. And now, you advocate for the reduction in filing cost among other campaigning fees for women to ease their entry into politics. If the purpose of this campaign is for equality, how is that fair to men? Well, uh, that's why the, if you look at gender issues, you find out that you know, there are lots of things that happen to women differently and, and also happen to men differently. And for the countries that have actually made it, if you are talking about Uganda, if you are talking about you know, Senegal, if you are talking about Ethiopia, you're talking about, you know, um, Rwanda, which is at the top, then you see that they have in place, you know, special, you know, legal and policy reforms that actually help women to, to really, you know, get into, you know, politics. And these are something we call temporary special measures. That's why we're calling for 
affirmative action legislation to be passed. And women's rights groups have actually worked on this for decades and uh, hoping that it will be passed. But even though we don't have it yet, we still need to hold the government and we need to encourage all sub-parties to remember that the state has signed on to some of these commitments. And so these international commitments actually tell us to remove some of the barriers. And these are some kind of the barriers that actually prevent women because it monetizes our politics. If you don't have enough money, you are, you are not bound to be able to get to. And, and women, most women do not have that kind of money. And even if they did, you know, most women, the research has shown that their priorities are more towards, you know, um, putting those monies to actually, you know, helping their homes and not even investing, you know, into politics. So we need to help women to be able to get into the top. And it, it can only be done by political parties. Mm. These, these are the gatekeepers. They are okay. the ones that will open the gate for women to actually um, enter in or close the gate. And the political scene, as we have already seen, is gaining momentum. And so this is the right time to be able to advocate that political, all political parties should actually look at, you know, um, uh, voting or electing, sorry, electing rather, you know, or appointing, if you like, maybe appointment is okay. the best, and appointing mm. um, women, you know, as a running mate. Okay. I mean, we've seen... Um, NDC has done it, and we, we believe that we need to actually encourage such parties to do so, and hoping that they would actually, you know, sustain, you know, the female, you know, um, running mate, and not change, you know, it somewhere along the line. And we, okay. if we don't put uh, pressure, we are bound to not, you know, do well in this um, general election. All right. Well. So we need to change the narrative. Okay. Thank you. All right, then. Uh, let's see how it goes. Grateful to you for joining us here on our show. Now, uh, to other stories, pregnant women face delicate health risks worsened by applying the plowed roads in the Oferikro municipality of the Asante region. The bumpy, dusty, and portal-induced road networks is in about four communities leave pregnant women at risk of anti- and postnatal health complications. Residents are wary that situation has been left unattended to for several years. Clinton Yeboah was in the communities in our report. The Afroko municipality is one of the prominent municipalities in the Ashanti region considering the location and also the vast electoral population. But it's interesting to know that vicinities in this municipality like Ayeduyase, Emena and Buedi are being strangled to extension by poor roads. And residents here are living in severe concern. The road networks in Ayedriase, Apiedu, Buedi, and Emina are rough parts, disfigured with countless potholes that create a turbulent journey. Lucy is a nine-month-old expectant mother who uncomfortably plies the Apiedu Emina road to seek maternal care at the Enimwa Medical Center at Emina. The bumpy, dusty road causes significant jolts, shaking her body joints to the core. Lucy explains how she had to limp throughout her over 25 minutes journey to get to the medical center. The potholes are too many and we suffer as pregnant women. The car will shake you and you end up with waist pains. I was so tired when I got down from the bus. I had to limp. So how are you woman and the quine dear quine in your 
Prince Oboy has been driving within the Ofuruku municipality for over eight years. He recounts the catastrophic ordeal faced by his pregnant passengers. I told out to be for paying for a mental hospital and I didn't we pick pregnant women, and from the driving mirror, you can see how roughly the car is throwing them about. I am always steady with how I drive. Sick passengers get their conditions worsened. This bulletproof door has ordinarily been coated with white paint, but just as you can see, dust has already formed its coat around it. Let's engage some of the workers to find out how the dust here is affecting their work and their health. The dust is too much. All of our works have been stained. It is even worse when it rains. You can't walk close to the road. Our cars are getting spoiled, and our car owners are seizing our cars because of our constant complaints. I bought an absorber yesterday. It has spoiled today. The aggrieved residents are pleading with authorities to fulfill promises and assurances of tackling the road infrastructure in the municipality. They always come and stage a show like they are coming to repair the road. Yet after elections, it ceases. They should come and repair the road, else we won't advise ourselves. Reporting for joining is Clinton. Now, farmers in communities in the Pro East District of the Bono East region are relying on tractors to cut for stuff to the district capital for sale. Due to the poor nature of roads in the area, trucks and tricycles used in the transportation of farm produce have deserted the area. The farmers have to pay more for the services of the limited tractors, heading or leading to a rise in food cost. Now, Jimas throws the spotlight on the roads and filed this report. After waiting several days without accessing a tractor, some farmers opted for a tricycle in an attempt to get their foodstuff to the market. At the time of our visit, the tricycle cutting the foodstuff had broken down. Navigating the sandy road is difficult for the tricycle, which has spent two days on the 120-kilometer road. We waste too much fuel on this road due to its nature. It is slippery and for that reason our vehicle is always faulty. We are farmers. We are cotton rice and other foodstuff to the market. Our truck continues to develop faults. We have spent two days on this stretch. The local assembly has often reshaped the road to keep it motorable. Unfortunately, the intervention has made little impact as the road gets dusty in the dry season and muddy for vehicular movement in the rainy season. Here are some people plying the road. In the rainy season, 
We can't travel on motorbikes, and the vehicles refuse to ply the roads. After the road was reshaped, it has become unmotorable. That's Esther Jonis Prime. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with Showbiz. To stay. Ghanaian company made up of First Sky Construction, First Sky Bitumen Processing, First Sky Commodities, Volta Serene Hotel, Serene Insurance, First Sky Energies, and Ferro Rural Bank. Warmly invite you to its 21st Thanksgiving service on the theme The Faithfulness of the Lord Never Ceases, Lamentations Chapter 3, verse 22 to 23. The Thanksgiving service in two parts will be hosted by the founder and executive chairman, Mr. Eric Sedi Kutocha. Friday, January 12, 2024, all night from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. at the Trinity Temple Assemblies of God Church, TTAG Community Center, Ministry in Word. Reverend Mark Sese, National Missions Director, Assemblies of God, Sierra Leone, Reverend Sujit Alex, Thames North Area Leader, Assemblies of God, UK, Sunday, January 14th, 2024, Thanksgiving service at the main auditorium of the Accra International Conference Center at 10 a.m. Guest Speaker, Most Reverend Dr. Paul Kwabuna Boafo, Presiding Bishop, the Methodist Church, Ghana. Special guest of honor, the Chief Justice, Her Ladyship, Mrs. Gertrude Araba Esabasaki Tokomo. Ministering in music will be Team Eternity and others. Also in attendance will be His Eminence, Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams, Reverend Dr. Stephen Yenusam Wengam, General Superintendent, Assemblies of God, Ghana, Reverend Professor Paul Frimpon Mansu, Immediate Past General Superintendent, Assemblies of God, Ghana, Reverend Dr. Silvanos Amagashichi Elon, Head Pastor, Trinity. Temple, Assemblies of God, Ghana, Reverend Mark Sese, National Missions Director, Assemblies of God, Syria Liu, Reverend Sujit Alex, Thames North Area Leader, Assemblies of God, UK, Apostle Professor Kojo Ninfo Opoku Onina, Reverend Dr. Lawrence Tete, Reverend Eastwood Anaba, Reverend Dr. Joyce Ai, Reverend Eddie Annan, Assemblies of God UK and other senior clergy. For more details, contact 020-854-3441 or 050-148-2580. It's the First Sky Group 21st Thanksgiving service. Don't miss it. This is Kweku, a university student. Every morning, Kweku wakes up and practices how to apply for jobs after he graduates from the university. This is until he found out about how you could win one million Ghana cities from the university challenge. Ten universities, ten diverse topics. And the chance to win one million Ghana CDs. His life has never been the same. Contact 0532-383-737 for more information. The University Challenge. Entrepreneurship. Leadership. Wealth creation.
Investment Limited. Welcome back. Let's do showbiz now. And uh, Jackie is here. How are you doing? I'm good, Kujo. What about you? I'm well. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, we started with musicians also trying to be actors and actresses today. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's easy for them to try I mean, transit. Yeah, it's because it's all like a stage mm. act and all that. Mm. So it's very easy. Well, Nigerian musician Tiwa Savage is expanding her creativity, moving from the world of music um, to film. Now, the 43-year-old singer revealed that she is making her acting debut in the new film Water and Gary. The film similarly takes its name from her 2021 EP, Tiwa took to her Instagram yesterday to make the announcement. Musicians, actors and actresses share one thing in common, which is acting. It all boils down to stagecraft. Well, it's always easier for one to switch to the other. Nigerian singer Tiwa Savage, although has starred in movies before, is set to release her debut movie, Water and Gary. This marks a significant step for the Queen of Afrobeat as a film is set to be available on Prime Video in over 240 countries. The singer in an Instagram post revealed that the production of Water and Gary, named after the 2021 EP, spanned over a two-year period. Although she did not reveal the release date, Tiwa noted that Water and Gary will be available on Amazon Prime. This also comes nearly after a year she announced the film was in production. The film was shot in Cape Coast in the central region of Ghana. Hmm, whilst we are eating all the foods out there, let's all reserve a space for Water and Gary. For Joy News, I am Jacqueline and Suma Well, we're waiting for Water and Gary. Now, a good movie is often hard to find. Mean Girls, a 2004 viral movie, has been remade after 20 years. The new Mean Girls movie has divided critics, um, with some saying jokes have lost their edge due to script updates. There's been a lot of backlash, even though the movie is not fully out yet. Movies that garner a lot of attention are sometimes remade to suit current cultures and values. Movies like the 1985 movie The Color Purple was remade in 2023. In 2004, the movie Moon Girls was the toast of the time. Mean Girls was a movie for high schoolers, a movie that talked about bullying. 20 years on, the movie has been remade with new additions, but patrons are not happy. And here is why. Many of the original movie jokes and characters have been updated because of changes in attitudes and teen culture. Tina Fey told New York Times that it comes to no one's surprise that jokes have changed. You don't poke the way you used to poke. Referring to the film's queen of mean, Regina George, Faye added that, I know that even Regina would know that she wouldn't fly. She's going to find a way to inflict pain on people, but she's not going to get herself into trouble. Though the core story remains the same, Faye wisely updated the script for a new generation of teens. Have this great music uh, while still being able to kind of live with our characters in a close-up to be able to have new jokes and... Um, uh, 
new moments that are surprising to people. Now, the original Mean Girls that Lindsay Lohan and Rachel McAdams and was later adapted into a stage musical. The musical is the basis for the new film. Although not released yet, the criticism has been intense. The film is expected to be released in the UK on Friday, 19th January. What? What's this? Oh yeah, we're waiting for that movie to be premiered, even though um, there's a lot of backlash. Now, Throwback Thursday, what is your favorite movie from Westlife? Song. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I have a lot. The Queen of My Heart would definitely be one. Okay. Uh, my Love is My Love. Soledad. Soledad, too. Is a lot. Oh, Uptown <laughs> Girls. Uptown Girls. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice, but it wasn't my favorite, really. Well, yeah. uh, we, a five band formed in the mm. late 90s, grew on the brains of everyone. Westlife is known for their songs like Swear It Again, If I Let You Go, Flying Without Wings. Now, they stayed together until 2012. However, six years after they reunited, the big question is, where are they now? I wonder how, I wonder why. One thing that is absent in this current time is a boy band, boy and girl band. In the past, we had Gap Band, Earth, Wind and Fire, Backstreet Boys, and Boys to Men, and many more. But in these times, everyone is flying solo. We bring you a throwback of West Life that stands the whole world. Uh, do you remember this? And this. Even when I close my eyes, there's an image of your face. They sold about 55 million records and are holders of four Guinness records. Now, this boy band was the boy band of our childhood, Westlife. This group has 11 number one albums, 16 number one singles, and 34 top 50 singles. What are they up to now? Brian McFadden was part of Westlife for six years but decided to leave in 2004. He also had many TV appearances including being a judge on Australia's Got Talent. Kian Egan was definitely the heartthrob of the band, probably because of his blonde hair. Now, he was also a coach and the voice of Ireland and he's had his fair share of being a TV presenter. Shane Phelan. Now, between Westlife disbanded in 2012 and regrouping in 2018, Shane has released three solo albums. And we have Mark Freehealy. Mark is a songwriter. He went on to release his own music and take on a solo career before coming back. Mark has supported big arts such as Mariah Carey. Now, Nikki took part in the 10th series of Strictly Come Dancing. Which of these guys do you miss and which of their songs do you miss the most? Anyway, thank you so much for being a part of us. There's more on my journal.com happiness is prime business with Pius Kojo Baka. That was a beautiful one from Westlife. Yeah. And Jackie as well. Investment Limited. Whether it's 1924, 
2024 or 2124, we've always known that you are driven by your sense of safety and well-being. It is what drives us too to see you through from start to finish, from small to big. And in the last 100 years, as you have evolved, so have we also expanded to serve you in many ways. From cradle to grave, with expertise in insurance, life, pensions, properties, health, and for those beautiful, memorable goodbyes. It's 2024, and in all our markets, our pedigree is recognized, our strength respected, our expertise valued, and our solutions sought by all who desire an advantage in life. Experience the time-tested and truly trusted 100 years legacy of Ghana's oldest insurer. Take charge of your future now. Insurance, life, pensions, property management, funeral services, health insurance. Enterprise, your advantage. Brought to you by Ecobank, the Pan African Bank. Take a Sima Seven Bank for your QR code. It's time you switch to Bell Park today. The business segments. Join us on an enchanting journey this Saturday as Joy Prime Explore takes you to Wuling in the Upper West region of Ghana to uncover the secrets of the Mushroom Rock. We'll also tell you about how the caves around the rock provided shelter during the notorious slave raids in the 16th and 17th centuries. And also discover how the residents entertained themselves as they hid in the caves. So this is Wuling. Wuling. The Wuling. In fact, it's Zawuling. Zawuling. People that are resistant to fight. Okay. And the reason is that because they use the caves or the, the rocks as a hideout, mm-hmm. they are mostly able to defeat their enemies. They see these white spots. Yeah. That's as a result of people using the stone to produce music. Okay. And behind you everywhere. So anywhere you hit, it produces... A different sound. Yeah. Oh, wait. So this is the presidential villa. I know. This is our pool area. This is the pool area. Yes. So then the presidential villa. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I've been to a lot of places. There's more in the Upper West region. Like we'll also go on a tour of the presidential villa at the Royal Cozy Hills Hotel. Tune in to Joy Prime at 6:30 p.m. on Saturday for more on Joy Prime Explore. Mm-hmm. Demo 
to you and a warm welcome to Prime Business with me, Pius Kojobaka. The International Monetary Fund has signaled its preparedness to disburse the second tranche of $600 million to Ghana as soon as it receives a draft term sheet from official creditors. This is coming at a time Finance Minister Kendo Furiata has disclosed that Ghana had received a draft term sheet on debt relief from its official creditors that is sufficient for the International Monetary Fund to disburse $600 million to the West African nation. Julie Kozak is the Director of Communications at the International Monetary Fund and has been speaking at a news conference in Washington, D.C., USA. On Ghana, um, on October 6th of 2023, so just a few months ago, our team reached a staff-level agreement with uh, the Ghanaian authorities um, to ensure uh, for the uh, first review of the program. And once... Uh, our executive board uh, completes the review. This would give Ghana access to 600 million U.S. dollars uh, in financing. To ensure timely completion of the reviews, official creditors and the Ghanaian authorities will need to reach agreement on a debt treatment consistent with the objectives of the program and in line with the financing assurances that creditors had provided in May of 2023. Uh, discussions between Ghana and the official cr creditor committee are ongoing. Good progress is being made, and we're confident that an agreement can be reached soon so that we can rapidly bring the uh, program uh, to our board. Meanwhile, senior finance lecturer at the University of Cape Coast Business School, Sir Amkawa, says the timeliness of the $600 million second tranche will have great impact on exchange rate, the budget, as well as taming inflation in the country. The IMF board is going to meet, I think, next week. Mm. And so if they are meeting next week, I really do not know what they expect. Uh, just the draft that they want or they want a firm assurance from the bilateral partners and then the Paris committee. If they want um, a draft and they want an assurance from them, then this can prove in the form of an assurance that we can take to them so that they'll be able to roll out the bailout, uh, the rest of the tranches of the bailout that we have, so that the World Bank will also come in to give us whatever they have promised us. And these are all going to take uh, some time to do. And so we are already ending um, March. Uh, sorry, we are already ending of... 
January. So February, by latest March, we should have this money sitting in the account of Bank of Ghana. So we're going to have a lot of uh, good things coming out in terms of our exchange rates. We're going to uh, show up our budget support. So our foreign reserves will have to increase. And in a way, we're going to tame the kind of inflation that is imported into the country. And government will be able to show up their domestic projects that they want to undertake by lack of money. This money will come in to help all of us. So that the escalation in terms of the prices, in terms of the exchange rate and all those things are going to reduce. So I'm looking at March. Uh, March, that is the end of the quarter. So we may be able to get this particular amount earlier. It will be very wrong on my part to say that uh, we would get the money by uh, February. Uh, that, that will not be so good. I need to be prudent in my expectations. And so by March, we should have, if the, uh, the, the board did not meet by next week, they should have a meeting in uh, February, and all the kinds of negotiations that we are looking at should have been done so that we would be able to meet the requirements of IMF and World Bank in order for the next tranche of money to come in. More on the economy, economist Dr. Patrick Assuming is calling on government to adopt a long-term approach to growing the economy. His comment follows a prediction by the World Bank that Ghana's economy will grow by 2.8% by the end of 2024. Speaking earlier on the marketplace, Dr. Suman said government should not only focus on marginal gains, but grow the real sector as well. The, the government need to, I mean, take a, a step back and take a longer-term approach to growing the economy. I think we really shouldn't be focusing on uh, marginal gains from some policy measures. We have to have a longer-term strategy mm. for transforming the economy. I think it's good that Agric is doing well, but there's, there's, there's a lot more that could be done. And then also strengthening the, link, the linkages of the real sector, especially with the, the mining sector, the small-scale mining, and then the other sector. I think there's a lot of room, there are a lot of things government can do to leverage uh, growth in the agri sector, but also the recent boom in the mining. I think at the moment, the mineral economy still sits as an enclave. We are not doing enough processing of some of the minerals. We are not doing enough uh, value addition within the country. So if we do all of that, we, we begin to see some more robust growth. When the, when the first quarter growth was released, and it looks way higher than uh, projected. It really masks some fundamental problems in the economy because when you look at the desegregation by uh, the, uh, the four primary economic agents, household consumption, business investment, government expenditures, and net export, you saw that the business investment was negative. So you, you, begin, you begin to see that going forward, this was going to hurt the economy. So it was no surprise that when the third quarter number came out, we began to see that the growth was slowing down. So in the second quarter, it slowed down some from the first, marginally from the first quarter, and then we saw a much more substantial slowdown. So I think that it, it is worrying but not surprising. I think yeah. if you look at the measures that the government have undertaken in the IMF program, you begin to see why manufacturing 
and construction have been severely hit. And those are the sectors that have seen, uh, those have been the weakest sectors in the year so far. Some other stories, the Social Security and National Insurance Trust NIT in consultation with the National Pensions Regulatory Authority has increased monthly pensions upwards by 15% for the year 2024. This is in line with Section 80 of the National Pensions Act 2008, Act 766. James Eshin reports. The Social Security and National Insurance Trust said approximately 70% of all pensioners across the country are expected to receive some 15% as an effective indexation rate. This is expected to cause the trust some 697 million Ghana cities. The long-term sustainability of the scheme. You don't want to eat all your, your eggs so that you don't have chickens you know, going forward. So we need to make sure that the scheme is protected it's in existence to be able to continue to pay pension or benefits when they fall due. So that's very, very crucial. Now, having considered all these four factors, ladies and gentlemen, it's my singular honor to announce to you that we came to a rate of 15% for 2024. That's going to apply to all pensions in payment. Now, the total indexation rate for lowest earning pensioners will be 36.37%. We project the wage inflation, and this year the wage inflation has been projected to be 20%. That is one factor we, that we take into account in arriving at the indexation rate for a particular year. The number two factor is to also find the CPI, what we call the inflation. So the projection for this year, 2024, was uh, set at 23.16, and I'm out quickly. That uh, the statistician yesterday, the, the, the government statistician yesterday announced inflation for 20, uh, ending year December 2023 to be 23.2. Now, the trust said the average monthly pension payout for 2024 is projected to increase from 400 million Ghana cities to 469 million Ghana cities. Because, you know, uh, any additional money that you pay out is first liquidity that you have to raise, and two, uh, investments that you may have to liquidate. So anything that we do uh, has implications. The higher you go, the more stress you put on the fund. On some investments made by the trust, Director General John Oferitinkran said his outfit is working assiduously to optimize some gains. What we do then is to make sure that we are balancing all these things and making sure that what we are doing is the most prudent thing to do as far as long-term sustainability of the scheme is concerned. And also, uh, not to be completely oblivious to what people need to spend money on. And so that is why we do also the redistribution. General Secretary of the National Pensioners Association, Stephen Bwashi, also welcomed the indexation rate for 2024. We think it's good for us. It's good for us. Because, you know, it's not whatever you get all the time that you get. People may think that last year we had 25, so maybe 30 or so. No, but it's not like that. Ours is any time at all when you go to your bank, you get the money. The trust said it is committed to paying legitimate benefits accurately. For Joy Business, James Eshen.
reacting to this development, Executive Director of the African Center for Retirement Research, Abdullah Mashoud, said the 15% increment is inadequate. He explains why. If they could have done better, uh, I believe uh, the, 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 the fixed rate of 10% is highly inadequate and it's going to subject uh, pensioners to a lot of hardship in 2023. You won't be able to compete very well in the pricing market. I mean, it's going to subject pensioners to a lot of, uh, what do they call it, uh, hardship in the year 2023. And it has a lot of implications. One, you are this way, if you don't adequately uh, uh, index pensions, what you are basically doing is that you are opening the economic gap between the retired population and the working population, and that presents a development challenge. But when you don't, when you don't analyze the full picture, I, 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 I hear uh, Director General of uh, the Social Security Administration hammering so much on sustainability. We haven't really gotten to a point where we need to begin to cut down benefits because of sustainability. The actual valuation reports in the, report, in the past have recommended that we need to show up sustainability of the scheme, long-term financial sustainability, and they have recommended that there is a need for us to increase the contribution rate. There is a need for us to increase the contribution, and that's where the emphasis is. And let's talk about the minimum pension. Minimum pension has increased each year since the year 2000 until in 2017. Now, the minimum pension has stuck at 300 Ghana series for six successive years. Generally, the provision for minimum pension by national pension system, its level and the frequency of increment is actually used to assess the, uh, uh, the, the efficiency of the national pension system. So the fact that uh, minimum pension has remained at 300 dollars for six successive years tells us that there's something wrong somewhere. Some other stories. The Ghana Revenue Authority has indicated that it will roll out the date for implementing the five new tax amendment bills from next week. This was after President Ekufado signed these taxes into law on 29th December 2023. This has raised concerns about the date that businesses should start charging these fees. Commissioner General of the Ghana Revenue Authority, Reverend Dr. Misha Dai has been giving more details on this when Joy Business caught up with him in town. I think we are working on it and very soon we'll come out with the exact date. So you give us... Uh, by this week, we'll be able to come out with a exact mm. date that will put them into effect. So next, uh, next week, because some have seen that because the president has given his assent, it means that legally it should take effect. Can it help us with some education there? No, you know, normally we have to look at the various taxes that are involved. In some of them, if the effective date could still start from the time of assent, it depends upon the nature or the way of the collection. But in some of them, it will become difficult for you to start from that date of the assent. So it all depends on the individual taxes. But by next, we could be able to come out and let the public know exactly. And that regulation will tell us on when the, the takeoff and all the various tax pipe and everything? Yes, we will do that. Mm-hmm. So that is how we are going to manage it. There, uh, there were rumors that you, uh, you ran away. <laughs> <laughs> are you back? <laughs> or indeed you ran away? <laughs> I cannot run away. Mm-hmm. I have no cost to run away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there's nobody to be able to talk about that that I ran away. I am here in doing business and we are pushing for the taxes. Whatever they, we, we need to respond to anything, we will respond to anything. Mm-hmm. And I have no reason at all to run so away to you. reason that you ran away to come there, you come back. At all. Did you travel outside the country? Did you travel outside the country? There's no need for me to run away to You visited here. I mean, why, why the visit and what is this uh, service center doing actually? Uh, no, I was just 
passing through and then just saying, this is one of our offices. Mm. So uh, the, the surety is that you are at post? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm at post, so don't need to worry about our post. Now, the Ghana Statistical Service has commenced the fifth Integrated Business Establishment Survey aimed at gathering data on businesses in both the formal and informal sectors of the economy. At the opening ceremony, the National Project Coordinator for the survey, Anthony Kakra, said the data collected will be used in producing the business register for the country um, in order to provide insight into the growth of businesses. The 2024 Integrated Business Establishment Survey will provide updated statistics on the current structure of Ghana's economy to facilitate the revision of key macroeconomic indicators, including gross domestic products and producer price index. The survey is also expected to help develop policies aimed at formalizing the economy. In an interview, National Project Coordinator for the survey, Anthony Kakra, said the survey will provide information on the growth of businesses in the country. Unlike the previous fall, economic census that we did in, in this country starting from 1962 this time around we are we are trying to expand we are expanding the scope in a way that all informal businesses will be covered all informal businesses in, ter- in terms of those who sell in the market on the streets those who sell in the hawkers those who sell in the streets on, on tabletops the fish sellers on the streets the tomato sellers the fish sellers if you go to Mokala, we see people putting tables, the fish and tomatoes on small, small tables in the market and selling. And all those people will cover it. And including the big shops, the stores, the big shops, all my all traders who trade in on market days in, the, in our districts, in our markets, all will be covered. So the scope covers every business. Unlike previously, the way we're only focusing on industries and big shops and all that. The difference in these 2024 IBES or economic sensors is that it covers every business, both the informal and informal sector. And the data we are going to get will be used to produce the business register for this country. We have previous business registers, but this is quite different in terms of the coverage for the informal sector. And so it's going to get the given data to produce the business register for this country. That will be used to analyze, produce, produce the statistics on the growth of businesses in their country. Government statistician Professor Samuel Kobnenim said the survey would be conducted using the needed technologies to help reach business in all sectors of the economy. It is not just an integrated business establishment survey, but our long, long-term goal to ensure that as a country we have a complete set of registers that enables us to have real-time information of what is happening in our economy. So going forward, we are not just seeking to update or have an online business register of the businesses that we have in the country, but a register that would enable us to link businesses to our population register and also link that to our address system. That is the only way we can say that our economy is fully formalized. So the first thing that we are doing differently for the 2024 business business establishment survey is to ensure that data collection is done with technology intensified. We all realized that since 2017, as a service, we've started collecting data with the computer-assisted programming approach. The 2021 Population Housing Census collected GPS coordinates on all the structures. The 2024 Integrated Business Establishment Survey is not going to do something, anything different. We're going to collect data using tablets, we're going to collect data on all GPS coordinates of all the business establishments that we have in the country. And that is the only way we can link structures based on the human beings that live in there and the economic activities that go, that go on in there. 
Over 16,000 people are being trained to help gather data for the survey. You're still watching Prime Business. Senior Manager Financial Advisory at Deloitte Ghana, Dennis Brown, has advised businesses to factor in other macroeconomic indicators before drafting a budget. According to him, this is to ensure sustainability. He spoke earlier on the marketplace on the Joinish Channel. One of the uh, mistakes individuals make when they are drawing up a budget is not to take stock of their financial situation and personal economy. And all they do is just look forward and say, well, I want to achieve this financial goal this year, and so I'm setting out a, a budget to uh, take me there. Uh, normally, such things become just wishful thinking. What you want to do is to assess and take stock of your financial situation. What are your assets? What are your liabilities? What are your mandatory expenses, if you have any of them? What are your income sources and the, and the amount of income that you're able to generate from those? Once you understand you know, finance, your financial situation, which you can also say is your personal economy, you're in a very good position to you know, target properly what you want to achieve with the budget. So that's the first thing you'd want to do. The other thing, or the next thing, would be to uh, look at the general macroeconomy. You operate within an economy. It's not everything that you can control. Mm-hmm. You know, there are things that you spend money on that you simply cannot control. Prices will go up and you can't do anything about So it's important that you look at the macroeconomy and see what's going on, understand and appreciate uh, what is happening in the macroeconomy and factor that into your budget so that when you are projecting uh, for particular expense items, what you are likely to spend on, you'll be able to do so properly. You, know. um, you may want to also uh, go uh, move further, deeper from the macroeconomy and if, you, if there's information available to relate what is happening to the market to you. For instance, there's headline inflation may be expected to be about 15% in the coming year. But you may be in a situation where you spend about 70% of your income on food. Food inflation is not exactly 15%. So if you are going to persist in that situation, you'd want to move further down from the headline inflation to look at Ghana Statistical Service you know, data on what food inflation is so that you can properly you know, target. At the end of the day, you want to end up with a budget that is achievable, that is realistic. Before we go, cybersecurity service providers, cybersecurity establishment, and cybersecurity professionals without license or accreditation have been barred from operating in Ghana. This is the latest directive from the Cybersecurity Authority, effective January 1, 2024. More in this report. The directive follows a deadline issued by the Cybersecurity Authority to service providers to obtain licenses or accreditation to operate fully in the country. The authority says it will fully enforce the provisions of the Cybersecurity Act 2022 Act 1038 regarding its mandate to regulate entities operating in the cyberspace. Accordingly, persons who offer cybersecurity services without license or accreditation granted by the authority do so in contravention of the Act and will face the full rigors of the law, including criminal prosecutions and administrative penalties where applicable institutions and individuals are consequently advised to engage only licensed firms and persons in the country. That's all for Prime Business. I am Pios Kojo Baka. Thanks so much for your company. Prime Sports is next. The business segment was brought to you by Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank. Take a similar seven bag for your QR code. It's time you switch to Bell Park today.
Saturday, as Joy Prime Explore takes you to Wuling in the Upper West region of Ghana to uncover the secrets of the mushroom rock. We'll also tell you about how the caves around the rock provided shelter during the notorious slave raids in the 16th and 17th centuries, and also discover how the residents entertained themselves as they hid in the caves. So this is Wuling. Wuling. The Wuling. In fact, it's Zawuling. Zawuling. People that are resistant to fight. Okay. And the reason is that because they use the caves or the, the rocks as a hideout, mm-hmm. they are mostly able to defeat their enemies. They see these white spots. Yeah. That's as a result of people using the stone to produce music. Okay. And behind you everywhere. So anywhere you hit, it produces a different sound. Yeah. Oh, wait. So this is the presidential villa. I know. This is our pool area. This is a pool area? Yes. So then the presidential villa. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I've been to a lot of places. There's more in the Upper West region. We'll also go on a tour of the presidential villa at the Royal Cozy Hills Hotel. Tune in to Joy Prime at 6.30 p.m. on Saturday for more on Joy Prime Explore. They have got some incredible stories. You've probably never heard of them before. If you are better than the coach, then you should have been the coach. Have you ever knelt down to beg a coach to take Solomon Tayo to a talk? Yes. In 2010, I did it. Milo asked you to sign for his agent and you refused? Yes. Mufti, I... At that point, nobody wants to come and play for the Blasters. Since 2008, semi-finals, finals, semi-finals, finals. If we continue like this, I can assure you and I can bet you. Anything happened negative concerning the team, it's me. What is deeper poor? Water. Can he still win the world title? With my experience, it's a no-go area. We've come across a lot of featherweights. A lot of featherweights, and uh, Isidogbe do not match them at all. First of all, I think the gym BA itself need a lot of schooling. Expecting to lead the charge. Elected, is the Ghana football will crumble. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, indeed. If that is what is in his mind, don't tell him he should stop it. They have to clean their heads. When the voice is Jamata in Ghana sports, speak. They speak here on Prime Take every Saturday at 7:30 p.m. on Joy News. segment is brought to you by Commander DBS Industries to you. Let's go to DBS Industries. Hello and welcome to Prime Sports with me, Razak Musbao. And uh, the Black Stars have landed in Ivory Coast. They've had held their first training session there. And they've also been visited by Ghana's ambassador to Côte d'Ivoire, Frederick Daniel Laye. And uh, he visited the team at their hotel earlier today in Abidjan. 
Uh, during his interaction with the team, uh, he admonished them to play well and focus on conquering the rest of the national teams to win the trophy Ghana has been waiting for for the past 41 years. He also assured uh, the team of his outfit's readiness to assist them to ensure they have a successful campaign in Ivy Coast. Great honor and privilege for me to welcome you to Abidjan, the beautiful capital of Cote d'Ivoire. And uh, first of all, I wish to commend you for qualifying to participate in this 34th edition of the all-important African Cup of Nations. Ghana is known as a football nation, and I am sure that you are physically, mentally, and morally prepared to play, not only to play, but to win. Because from what I heard, it's over 40 years plus since we last won, and this is the time when we should win to show that Ghana is back. And I can see from, because when I said Bon Appetit, they answered in French, which means that they have already acquired, you know, that is French thing. So I hope that you're going to perform well. And then, that's like, when Girochiza crossed the Rubicon, he said, I came, I saw, I conquered. I want it to be said that you came, you played well, and you won. Okay? So we look forward to Ghana celebrating, you know, your victory. Okay? So this is all that I can say to you that good luck and rest assured that the embassy, the staff and myself, you have our full cooperation and full support, you know, in the achievement that you will hope to okay. okay. All the best. Now, former Ghana international Larry Kingston uh, believes Ghana's success at a tournament is partly dependent on the performance of informed midfielder Mohamed Kudus. According to Laie, Kudus' recent form has come at the right time for the national team, and his ability to replicate same in an Ivory Coast will have a great impact on the team's fortunes at the tournament. The team, uh, uh, as well. You know, so and he we came from it. your old stables at. Uh... Yes, right to Dream Academy, you know, Right to Dream uh, uh, Academy with Kudus. I think they, they, they had a very good plan for him when he was young, and I think they've helped him a lot to develop well. And his choices as well. I think that's what have, have helped him. Someone will say, okay, from Right to Dream, go to Manchester United straight. But Right to Dream was very patient. They move him at the right time, at the right moment, put him in FC Nordland, express himself there get some number of games. He had opportunity to come to England since. But him and Right to Dream made a choice. No, this is not the right time. Let me go to another school, which is Ayas. Go there one, two seasons. Then he's ready. He's ready to go into the bigger stage. And you can see, the moment he gets to the Premier League, he's ready. And he's smashing a lot of people, you know. So... For me, I, I'm no, I have no doubt about his abilities because I saw him when he was young. I saw what he can do. When he was young, he can get a ball and he would dribble the whole pitch. He can decide that I'm dribbling everybody on the pitch. Sometimes coaches will get angry and say, hey, I passed the ball. But he wanted to do it. He wanted to do it. Right to him gave him the freedom to express what is in him. And I think that's what has helped him a lot. And with the good guidance, a lot of right people around him have helped him to progress Gradually, and I think he's, he's doing very well.
now we are just some uh, one day, 22 hours and some 21 minutes away from the start of the AFCON. So the countdown is on ahead of the first game on Saturday between Ivy Coast and Guinea-Bissau. Now, ahead of that first game in Group A, we brought to you an overview of the coaches leading the teams in that group. We also brought to you an overview of the coaches leading the teams in Group B. Today is the 10 of Group C, where Cameroon, Senegal, Gambia all find themselves in. In this report, we'll tell you all you need to know about the coaches who will be leading their sides in that Group C. After successfully leading Senegal to their first trophy in 2021, it is no surprise that Aliou Sisse has been trusted to lead the team to a third successive African Cup of Nations tournament. The 47-year-old who ventured into coaching after ending his playing career in 2009 has had enough experience in his belt to impress at the tournament. Having started in 2012 as the assistant coach of the Senegalese under-23 team, he later became the head coach until 2015. In March that same year, he was appointed head coach of the senior team. He will go on to qualify and lead the team to the 2018 World Cup and 2019 AFCON. At the 2019 AFCON, he guided the team to its first ever final since 2002 but lost the trophy to Algeria. Three years later in Cameroon, at the 2021 AFCON, he made history by giving Senegal its first ever Africa Cup of Nations trophy after defeating Egypt on penalties in the final and after leading the team to the knockout phase at the 2022 World Cup in Qatar, his focus will be to retain the AFCON title this year in Cote d'Ivoire, beginning with the opening game against Gambia on Monday, January 15. Meanwhile, Cameroon had to settle for bronze in the 2021 AFCON, despite their hopes of a host and win. But they remain one of the most successful teams on the continent, having won the AFCON a record five times, with their most recent one coming in 2017. Heading to Ivory Coast, the team is led by Rigobert Song, who has already shown as a player and captain of the team before transitioning to the sidelines. He won the 2000 and 2002 editions with his country and will experience his first coaching stint in the competition. Having started his coaching with the local base national team, he will later manage the under-23 side, leading them to the 2019 championship. Then in 2022, he assumed the role as a senior team head coach. Shortly after, Rigobert Song succeeded in qualifying Cameroon for the last FIFA World Cup in Qatar, where he failed to advance from the group stage despite a shocking 1-0 win over Brazil. The AFCON 2023 will be another opportunity for Rigobert Song to prove his prowess as a coach, starting with the game against Guinea on Monday, January 15. The Guinea national team, on the other hand, is led by Kaba Diawara, who initially represented the French under-21 team before joining his country of origin, participating several times in the African Cup of Nations as a player. At the helm of the Guinean selection, he will participate in his second AFCON after the 2021 edition in Cameroon, aspiring to etch his name in history. As a player, Kaba Diawara distinguished himself with various French and English clubs 
including Paris Saint-Germain, Olympic de Marseille, Arsenal and West Ham. He also played in Turkey before ending his playing career in 2009. Kabat Diawara has been directing the Guinean national team since October 2021. The last African Cup of Nations in Cameroon was his first significant experience as a football coach where he was knocked out in the round of 16 by Gambia. He'll be hoping to improve on that and possibly deliver the country's first ever AFCON title. Now, after leading the country to the first ever African Cup of Nations appearance and a subsequent historic quarter-final finish, Belgian tactician Tom Senfiet will once again be in charge at the 2023 AFCON. Senfiet has established himself as one of the best non-African coaches in Africa with extensive experience leading several African clubs and national teams, including Malawi, Togo, Ethiopia, Zimbabwe and Namibia. Having built a Gambian side that is tough to break down and are defensively disciplined, the Belgian coach will be hoping to lead his boys to another remarkable feat in Ivory Coast. That's uh, the coaches who will be leading their teams in the uh, Group C action of the African Cup of Nations tournament. But let's stay on Gambia because Gambian's coach Tom Safer said he and his players feared for their lives after the plane taking them to the African Cup of Nations made an emergency landing, delaying their arrival at the tournament in the Ivory Coast. The Gambia squad set off from Banju on Wednesday for the short trip to Yamasukro, where they will play the opening two group games. But minutes after takeoff, they turned around because of a lack of oxygen inside the plane. For day for money is a journalist based in Gambia, and he joins me all the way from Gambia for some update on the Gambia national team. Uh, for the, thank you so much for joining us on Joy News here in Accra, Ghana. Uh, but just tell me quickly, though, uh, what's the latest update? On the team now, have they finally been able to arrive in Ivory Coast? Hello, Fode, can you hear me? Good. I was asking, uh, what's the latest update on the team? Because after that harrowing incident some 24 hours ago, Yes, um, I'm saying the good news is that the team have just arrived in Yamusukoro um, this evening. Um, I think everyone right now in the Gambia is happy after the experience that we witnessed um, yesterday. So we just received the information that the team arrived in Yamusukoro ahead of their first game against um, uh, Nebos, that is Senegal, on Monday, January 15, uh, 2024, in the African Cup of Nations in Cote d'Ivoire. Mm. Uh, but even before that, we understand the players boycotted training because of some bonus issues. Uh, what can you report also on that? Was that uh, resolved before they flew to Ivory Coast? Yeah, um, that uh, issue it has been resolved, uh, one can say. Um, it was um, somehow difficult on the side of the players um, because these are players that Missed to play in the Gambia. 
for quite a long time now, almost over two years they have not played in the, in the, in the country. And this time, it was a chance for them to see their fans. It was not a football match, but they organized this exhibition training game where the fans can come cheer them up for the last time before they leave for the war. Um, the stadium was filled up a little bit. You know, a good number of fans were present. Only to hear that the players are not coming because they are not paid their bonuses of their previous Afghan qualifier match. Mm-hmm. And they did not turn up. You know, they, they, they boycotted the training. The fans were also left dismay, in dismay and frustration. And it ended up in a fight between the, fire, the fans and even the security personnel, that is the um, police intervention unit. They ended up even vandalizing some of the materials at the, at the stadium that is undergoing renovation right now. Mm. So, but um, a day later, uh, the ministry uh, responded, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to the president, they 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 they, they came to their aid um, and and you know arranged for their payment. That is the thirty-eight million that they were owing the boys. Mm-hmm. And as 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 he said, the ministry you know declared that this is not their commitment. They were not the one that made this commitment to the boys. But instead, it was the Zambia Football Federation that promised the boys that if they qualify for the African Cup of Nations, they will give them a certain amount of money, which is the thirty-eight million dollars. But they could not fulfill this promise, and the boys now protested. Now the ministry contacted the president who was not in the country at the time. So he directed that, you know, they should do by all means get this money and pay the price. So that has been arranged, you know, out of the order made by the president. Mm. They were able to get the money from the Ministry of Finance and you know, they rescheduled. I understand the team manager uh, is currently trying to do all that he can to make sure that the money is transferred to the players' account. So it is settled. The bonus issue is settled now. Mm. Okay, Fode. Well, uh, in the previous, you know, tournament, they managed to make it all the way to the quarterfinals. It was an impressive outing for them, you know, in a tournament that they were playing for the first time ever. Now, going into this tournament, personally for you, what realistically, what will be success? What will be described as success for the Gambian national team at this tournament? Well, for me, I, I think the success, you know, is already achieved. You know, making it to the Afghan for the second time, for me, that is a success for You know, we are not going to be Afghan to win anything. If you ask me, I will tell you that we don't need to go to the country. We just need to go, enjoy ourselves, you know, play and prove to the world that the Gambia is another football in the country. It is facing now, or already surfacing in the world of football. Um, the African, uh, sorry, the African Cup of Nations in 2021, we did well. We came to the national for the first time. And this time again, for me, as I will say, you know, we don't need to fight for, 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 for big dreams or to save for to settle for big. We just need to manage ourselves and see what comes in our way. For me, the success is, is qualifying the African Cup of Nations for the second time. It's big. And in a difficult circumstance. This is a team that was hit by um, Arctic when they were continuing for their final game of the two months in, in, in Morocco, in Malaga. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows about that. And that was terrifying. They survived that. And again, you know, just yesterday, incident also happened, which was also another scary thing. So, considering these difficulties, I think making it to the Afghan, if you listen to the general success, 
let them just go play, enjoy themselves, and see what goes happen. Mm. Uh, for the thank you so much for making time. Of course, we'll keep in touch with you in the course of the tournament as we talk a lot more about the Gambian national team that people are expecting them to show some really, really good football over there. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back. We'll be having a conversation about the 48 Swag Awards that is set to come off on Friday. incredible stories you've probably never heard of them before if you are better than the coach then you should have been the coach we ever knelt down to beg a coach to take solo mentality at all? yes in 2010 i did it Milo asked from, you to sign for his from, agent and you refused yes most mufti at at that point nobody wants to come and play for the blasters since 2008 semi-finals finals semi-finals finals if we continue like this, I can assure you and I can bet you. Everything happened negative concerning the team. It's me. What is deep, deeper poor? Porter. Can he still win the world title? With my experience, it's a no-go area. We've come across a lot of featherweights. A lot of featherweights. And Isidobe do not match them at all. First of all, I think the gym BA itself needs a lot of schooling. Expecting to, to be elected, it's that Ghana football will crumble. Is that what you're saying? We are indebted. If that is what is in his mind, then tell him he should stop it. They have to clean their heads. When the voice is Zamata in Ghana sports, speak. They speak here on Prime Take every Saturday at 7:30 p.m. on Joy News. Now, the 48th edition of the Sports Writers Association of Ghana Awards is set to come off on Friday, January 12th. It will be happening at the Accra International Conference Center. Now, this event is one that is set out to honor outstanding sports journalists in the year in review. And it's with me is a general secretary and a veteran sports journalist himself, Charles Ose Asibe. Thank you so much for making time. My to be pleasure. here in the studio on Prime Sports. Happy to be here. So Thank you My pleasure. But let's talk about the awards, though. Mm. It's coming up on Friday. Sure. And the question in the minds of a lot of people is that, what's unique about these year's awards? Well, um, we continue to make it special every year. Um, our forebears started this um, 48 years ago. I remember after one, yes, after one of the Olympic Games, um, the leaders then sat and asked a lot of questions. How do we honor men and women who represent Ghana and make the country proud. So it was started in 1975, and it has run unbroken till now. Um, we are happy that we took over from our leaders. And, you know, leadership after leadership, we try to, you know, maintain the Swag Awards. Two brands by the Swag is the Swag Cup. We used to play Swag Cup. Yeah. Out of the proceeds we make from the Swag Cup, then we use it for the Swag Awards. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it got to a point where we couldn't honor the Swag Cup, so we had to go around looking for sponsorship 
to run the Swagger Awards. And by the grace of God and by dint of hard work from leadership, we have been able to run this event. Um, I remember at some point we are running this at hotels, and then we eventually moved to the banquet hall. We ran it at the banquet hall for over 15 years. Then we said, no, we need to change the face of the event. Then we moved to the conference uh, center. So um, since 2017, we've been having this at the Accra International Conference Center. And 2017, I remember when we moved to this conference center, um, uh, Kwabna Kwabna was a top artist who performed to entertain the fans. The following year, it was Samini. The year after that, we brought um, Akwabwa. Last year, we brought Wendy Shea. This year, we are bringing uh, Kofi Kenata to come perform. What we have done over the years is that all performing athletes, whether local or international, once you do well, once you win medal for Ghana, even if you're a federation and we find you to be working so hard, we pencil or we put your name down and then we honor you. We have done this on Brooklyn and this year, we're doing the same at the Accra International Conference Center tomorrow at 6 p.m. By the grace of God, the Vice President of the Republic will be our guest of honor and um, he's going to make the event look beautiful. In the last three years, the Vice President himself specifically has awarded cash prize to the female footballer of the year and the journalist of the year. It won't be different this time. This year, journalist of the year takes home 10,000 cities plus other things from the Sports Writers Association of Ghana and then the sponsors. And then footballer of the year female also take 10,000 cities from His Excellency, the Vice President of Ghana. So we're expecting a great event come tomorrow, 6 p.m. where we start with a cocktail, 7 p.m. we move into the auditorium, and then we start the award ceremony itself. Mm. Interesting, very interesting. So the top awards on the night, uh, all awards, obviously, important. Top awards, Journalist of the Year. Uh, so Journalist of the Year is one of them. The Sports Personality, obviously, will crown mm. the event. Um, sports Personality ca- category, we have uh, Kudus Mohammed mm-hmm. and then James Dazi, 200-meter runner. Yeah. We have Footballer of the Year, Foreign. Uh, we have Bukhari, Niyama, uh, Kudus, and then um, this young man, what's his name? Pencil. Mm. So four of them. Right. I think voted has ended, but mm. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. But voted ended, uh, voting ended around 8 p.m. Mm. Female Footballer of the Year, Foreign and Local. Mm. Male Footballer of the Year, Foreign and Local. Athlete of the Year, obviously, is James Dazi. Female Athlete of the Year is um, Rose uh, Amonima uh, Yeboah. Mm-hmm who last, early this year, won the um, high jump at the World University Games. She won high jump at the Africa Championship. So as far as female athletics or athletes are concerned, she has been phenomenal in the year under review. There are other categories like table tennis player of the year, tennis player of the year, hockey player of the year. The GRA female hockey team will be honored on the night. In the year under review, they traveled to Africa and they won the Africa Club Championship mm. at the women's level. Mm. Now, certain individuals will also be honored. Kujo Fiano, the Galka chairman, okay. he's done football yeah. since um, GIJ. You know, he, he's a journalist, trained journalist. Yeah. Yeah. He completed GIJ. He worked with, I think, GNTC for a year or two. Mm. And then he started doing football. Mm. He's done football all his life. So we're going to honor him with dedication and valor. Mm-hmm. The man who handles um, netball in Ghana, mm-hmm. 
Reverend Nikwe Jani has also done this for over 20 years. Very consistent, very hardworking. An old man himself. So <clears throat> on the night, we'll oh, honor him. Herbert Mensah Mensa and the rest. Herbert oh, yeah. Mensah, uh, Rugby Africa. Mm -hmm. We also have um, Samson Dean, mm -hmm. who is also the MPC chairman, uh, president for yeah. Africa. Yeah. These guys have made the country proud. Mm -hmm. And the Sports Writers Association of Ghana will honor them at the 48th Nguvu Swag Awards happening tomorrow. Finally, though, um, we understand the tickets for the event. Just some final information on that. Well, um, it's a free gate thing. It is, it is ticketed, but you don't pay anything. Okay. So once you want to attend the event, mm. you call 0244-280-802. 0244-280-802. And then we can arrange to get you a ticket. Without a ticket, you cannot enter. Remember, because Kofi Kenata is coming to perform, mm. everybody wants to be there. Yeah. But this is why we are swag. Mm. This is why we feel that when people have worked so hard, especially sportsmen and women, we need to celebrate them. Yeah. That's why SWAG is honoring sportsmen and women at the Nguvu SWAG Awards tomorrow. And I want to use this opportunity to thank our partners who have made this possible. Nguvu Mining is supporting us as the title sponsor. Stambik Bank is supporting. Malta Guinness is supporting. Twilliam Industries, Ghana Civil Aviation Authority, the Vice President himself, the Chief of Staff's Office mm -hmm. have also supported us mm -hmm. and we salute them for the support they have given to SWAG. So thank you to everybody and uh, the Car International Conference Center is where the event will be happening. My name is Rizak Musbao.